This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today we've got Dan Krasinski, and I'm sorry, Dan, I didn't ask you how to pronounce your name before we started. Could you pronounce that for all of us? Sure, Krasinski, and um, fun fact, there used to be an extra Z in there, so uh, my grandfather used to joke we're related to Coach K from Duke, so um, let's just say I grew up in the Irish part of an Italian town, so Dan K has become my name very early on, so it's all good. <laughs> All right. Awesome, Dan. Uh, real quick, could you tell us how you're involved with real estate investing right now and who you are? And I would love to hear that story of how that extra Z disappeared, too. <laughs> we will touch on all of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, first, just from brief, and I'm sure we'll talk into detail. I've had the benefit of uh, being co-best men uh, in a wedding in Staten Island, I think probably early 2010s, uh, coldest day of the year, shortest day of the year. And uh, the gentleman who I was with said, hey, uh, you know, did you know you can use your retirement dollars to invest in real estate? And for me, this was a mind-blowing moment. Uh, you know, I grew up in small town Scranton, PA, and I, I feel we moved back actually to Austin literally a decade ago um, this weekend. We knew Austin was still a relatively small town. So I really wanted to give back um, and also invest very locally. And in tune, that has led to um, some residential flips. Uh, some loans on some smaller multifamily and, you know, what I consider the darling of my uh, portfolio, self-storage. So uh, I just think like anything, you know, right place, right time, seeing it grow and now just super excited to, you know, meet all the new sponsors and new opportunities in the greater Austin area. Awesome. Yep. So back to that story about the extra Z, where did the extra Z go? Yeah, so, um, you know, Shez, as, you know, Coach K. Mike Krzyzewski, uh means cross in Polish. Mm -hmm. Very Catholic country. That was very common. Anowski is kind of like an O or Mick, and, in, in you know, from, from Irish friends out there, it doesn't really add much to the name. But uh, the, the fun fact, the first person that came over from my family was actually um, a general in the Civil War. Uh, and... You know, I, I thought I had a great international career, but he literally post-Civil War was in Alaska, in San Francisco, in Panama. Um, so it's a, it's a very wild story, uh, knowing that, you know, it took another 50 years for folks to come over. And, you know, that's on my mom's side, Mazaleski, that name had a different spelling. Plashenik, her mom had a different spelling. Uh, with that, uh, what's unique, and, you know, I half joke, uh, you know, if I run for president one day, uh, you know, I'm going to say my dad was a coal miner, which was true. My grandfather owned a coal mine. Uh, my dad worked in the coal mine a little bit as a teenager. And going back to your question, his birth certificate, although my grandparents married at KRYZ, I believe my dad's birth certificate said KRZYZ. So, uh, you know, let the Polish jokes come. I'm not that uh, PC here. But uh, yeah, that is the one thing. So I believe, um, you know, it was effectively dropped probably in the 20s, 30s, 40s. And my guess is, you know, somebody had to fill out a form and it, you know, you only had 11 spaces, not 12 to do it. And that's probably why it got chopped. So, um, 
you know, that's where we're at. You know, will I ever throw it back in? You know, maybe if I'm doing stuff overseas, uh, when we visited Ellis Island, it was the KRYZ, which was a lot of fun. And I'm sorry, the KRZYZ. Um, so anyways, yeah, we have the documented for, uh, you know, my poor son, his name, I think is 30 plus letters. So, uh, his first day at school, he shortened it from Alexander to Alex, which is probably a good move. So, but it's all documented. It's there for the history. And um, yeah, it, it is kind of fun to kind of look back and, um, you know, reconnect from that point. Awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. I've been to Ellis Island too. And, uh, you know, my last name's Moorhead. Turns out I was actually Muirhead coming uh-huh. to Ellis Island. So there was no two O's there. There was a UI. Um, and supposedly for, we're from a small town in Scotland called Muirhead. Cool. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun to learn about that stuff. You are the last king of Scotland. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Massa Reynolds, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about you did some single family and multifamily in Austin. How did you get started in real estate investing in Austin? Sure. So, um, you know, like anything, my initial chips were people that I know with ties to Scranton. My buddy flipped houses in North Carolina. I've had some great... I'd say peer level mentors and mentees. And I, I think the world, uh, you know, A, where the future's going, B, where stats are, uh, you know, female entrepreneurs and such. And, and a good friend here in town, I, I think as, you know, she saw the light, this is probably 2014, 2015, uh, of flipping houses versus, you know, doing a nine to five or being on your own as a consultant. So, you know, for me, this was, um, I still didn't know much, but I said, I, I tend to invest in the person. Obviously, you're going to look at the economics, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for her as a person, and she like taught me a lot, really kept me up to date on here's what we're doing. Here's, you know, the timeline, the critical path. So for my project managers out there, it really made a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, this paid a fantastic return. And, um, you know, the one deal was on time. The other one went, uh, I think, a little bit early, which is always fine. The other one got extended, which you know, the same level of interest was always fine. So it was cool to, um, you know, be able to see different types of houses. Uh, you know, that said, I went to somebody else that I, I did not have the, I'd say, deep personal relationship before, which, you know, once again, is fine. Um, uh, but this gentleman just didn't have the track record. And it was kind of a Murphy's Law of what went wrong. So in a very similar vein, you know, I'd say the lack of, uh, you know, at the end of the day, shame on me for not the deep diligence, but you know, the lack of ongoing transparency, the lack of updates, uh, you know, some people are wired to do this. Some people aren't. And, you know, especially if there's not that validated track record, you don't really want to go down that loop. So, you know, I don't want to make it out like everything has been a success. I actually, you know, my school of hard knocks actually came from that um, probably about five years ago, uh, which is, you know, a flip, our rehab gone very, very bad. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. Um, you, know, you talked about not doing due diligence, and I want to come back and touch on that too. I think that's a, a very important point. And I think I think you were referring to not doing due diligence on the partner, right? Yeah, more on the person. I mean, you know, obviously you want to look at some numbers, even if you're not, you know, a real estate analyst, which, yeah. which anybody should do. But yeah, I do think it comes on the person. A lot of it's going to be a gut feel, but always having maybe that spouse or second friend, uh, you know, with my son turning five this week, I, I, you know, we were in baby bliss. It was one of these beautiful January days in Austin. I looked at the site. I said, Oh, this will be done in not even three months, a week and a half, you know, or a month. Uh, let's just say it took a year and a half. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, anyways, with that, um, 
like anything in life, uh, I think it is good having that second voice or, you know, you might be slightly blinded for something. Um, and that also goes, and I think, you know, using indexing terms, there should be a minimum that you put in any investment the first time you go around with any party you deal with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a mi- minimum investment, is that what you're referring to? Yeah. So let's just, I said, using indexing terms. So, you know, I'll just say, you know, zero to a hundred and that literally can mean zero to a hundred K or, you know, 1 million to a hundred million dollars, whatever your pocketbook is. Um, you know, I always think, you know, 10, let's once again, indexing terms, you know, 10% of what your max is, is what you probably want to go put in on the first go with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly if it is a, it is a flip, which in theory, you don't want to go with somebody that's flipping just for, you know, a hobby or sake of, you want somebody that this is their active um, line of business or something they really get into. Yeah. Uh, meaning that, you know, if this deal doesn't go well, well, it's tough, but it's not catastrophic. But if it goes well, you can do another deal and then another and probably do three or four deals in a year or, you know, add on double that amount, triple that amount, quadruple that amount. So you get to, I call it the comfort level of that hundred, um, you know, the max that you would give uh, regardless of who it is to one. So, and I've done that actually, um, you know, over time, every relationship. And if, you know, this person asked for my hundred for any time period under a year, sure. It, you know, there's hardly a question asked based on our relationship and track record, but it's something we kind of mutually build without pressure uh, over time. Sure. Yeah. I think you make a really good point when investing with others. Um, I think there are some circumstances where you, you can go a hundred percent all in if it's yourself and it's a deal you're doing, maybe it's a, let's say something simple, like a house hack, you're going to buy a duplex and live in it. Maybe you don't have a lot of money. So putting 10% in doesn't really make a lot of sense because it's not going to get you anywhere. You have to put a hundred. Um, yeah, I think that's great advice when you're investing with others or, or really even just investing. Uh, I look at investing differently than I look at, say, house hacking or, or buying a house for yourself to live in. I don't, I don't really look at that as investing. I think it's a great idea, and I do it, and think other people should do it. But I don't apply the same rules to the things I'm going to occupy myself that I apply to investments. Um, I think it's a just a different game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. I mean, Kiyosaki says that, you know, a lot of the legacy uh, sages, let's say, in our space, they say that, you know, your personal house, uh, you know, in many ways should be your worst, quote unquote, investment, um, you know, the dollars and cents. That said, there's the peace of mind, the emotional, et cetera. But I think part of that is, you know, one, just um, assuming using, as I like to call piggy bank checking account money, uh, you're not probably getting the depreciation benefits, everything else, et cetera, yeah. with it. And then, I always think your IRA money, your solo 401k, you have to just think of this as a completely separate bucket of money uh, in some ways, almost as if you're your unique um, investment advisor to yourself, but also still consider yourself, this is me at the end of the day. This is probably money I cannot touch for a few decades. So in many ways, uh, I'm okay to let this be out of pocket five, 10 years as an LP, uh, you know, knowing it can double or, you know, more than two X during this time. Which is, you know, of course, with your house, once again, you want to make sure everything's buckled up and you can be in there and remain in there. Absolutely. You know, so Dan, back to Austin here. Um, why Austin? Why do you choose to invest in Austin to get started? And then why do you still choose to invest in areas of Austin? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, um, you know, as they say here, you know, the boots on the ground, it, it, it is meaningful, I, I think. And, you know, to be able to walk the property, be by it. And, you know, once again, as an LP investor, I'll admit, yeah, once you write that check, it is out of your control. But, um, you know, A, you know, from the diligence side, you do have the ability to walk the ground. And then after that, as I said, if you're viewing this as a long-term relationship, you can kind of see how other things are playing out, um, get a feel of the neighborhood. So, you know, take self-storage. Um, so shifting a little bit away from residential, but we're in Northwest. I'm as an LP investor in Northwest Austin. You know, I realized that, you know, things are, and this will, I think, be very apparent, um, you know, August, September, post-COVID, UT back, everybody here in school, when you drive off Mopac to Fifth Street, you see public storage now, um, I can't even imagine what, you know, you would effectively be paying as an investor at this point. I mean, cap rates were going, you know, sub, well, sub six, sub five. I've even heard some rumors of sub four and a half, sub four of the last few years. It really, I guess I can use the term bat shit because we do have bats in Austin, but it really got the crazy where as an investor, it's like, you know, I don't want to buy high and have to sell higher. So, you know, with that, um, you know, in a little bit different from a single residential here is, you know, in the world of storage here in Austin, I still think the one, three, five mile circles hold. So what's the population within one mile, three miles, five miles? Uh, and then also, are you adding to the supply? And if you are, um, you know, is it smart? So part of what for me is development. And, you know, there's been some jokes about permitting in Austin, but in general, um, I, I really, for something like an asset like storage, which, um, you know, it's not like a sexy residential that you tear down, you put up an AB for, you know, a million front, 800 in the back. Yeah. You know, we call them boxes. These are just boxes going up. You don't want to spend a few years sitting on cash developing. You want to earn cash flow immediately, which storage does. So the, the operator we were with, um, they've done, um, let's talk Texas, you know, it's called the big, uh, you know, four cities in Texas. They've been, you know, 20 properties plus. Oh, so, wow. Northwest Austin made sense. It was existing. It started cash flowing immediately. The dividend checks are coming in. Uh, also with, uh, I'll call an option, you know, generic uh, lowercase letter O here to build more units and back without doing a capital call or diluting the current owner. So, you know, for me, when you think Austin, um, you know, Northwest, Cedar Park, are people moving here? Sure, of course. Um, yeah. are, do people want to live a little more minimal? I know I have my beautiful blue wall. I'm actually here at Capital Factory today. Uh, yes, but guess what? Like, you know, you want to recycle and bring in the Christmas tree, et cetera. You're going to do storage. Um, you know, as folks leave or want to come here or are going to be a little more transient, uh, you know, st as said, storage, the demand side of that is um, much like you're seeing in residential today in Austin. I mean, the demand of storage is always there, mm -hmm. which makes it very attractive. And I, I think with Austin, which is more folks moving here, naturally on day one, people are going to re relocate all their stuff. And a lot of people are not going to worry about it. And the final point for storage is, you know, you move here, a life event happens, you put your stuff in storage. So this is you as a consumer. In the middle of May, which is still not crazy hot, you know, we're having a great time. We're probably at the lake. You're going to get a postcard that says we're raising your rent $7, $12. You're like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm enjoying my time at the lake. On a percentage basis, as an investor, you know, you just up rents anywhere from eight to like 20%. Welcome to storage. It's great. Um, and, you know, at max, 1% uh, of people are going to move out. So it's a pretty good asset class, you know, particularly, um, you know, especially when populations growing, when new people are coming in, uh, you know, when old people, you know, grandma dies here, the kids live somewhere else. 
they don't want to touch your stuff for a few years. It's just, it's, and that's just even on, I say the retail side of storage, any of the commercial side with folks moving here. And that's just going to add up. Awesome. So you're in uh, Northwest area with the storage units you're in right now. Yeah. So as an investor in a property in the Northwest part of town, uh, as I said, you know, the downtown MSA, it's, it's just, as an investor, as a retail investor, I'd be a little cautious. Now, what's going to find, if I'm managing institutional money, if I'm even like you, Timco or whatever, I'd say like any properties, I look out the window and see a bunch of cranes here in downtown Austin. Things are going to grow. Um, but, you know, for most of us on the call that might have checks of, you know, 50 to 250, uh, you know, you're not going to compete with the publicly traded rates and big boys. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, I think a lot of people are looking just not, not even talk about just storage, real estate, people want to be real in close to downtown. I think the opportunities are out a little bit further from downtown. I don't know how far out y'all are in the Northwest areas. You know, you can get out at Leander, Liberty Hill, and there's still a lot of growth happening out there. Um, but I mean, you can, if you can get in in Austin, yeah, great. But you're competing against a lot of people, like you said, with deep pocketbooks. So if you're in the city core, it's a little harder to compete than it would be to go out. And if you believe that Austin's going to continue growing the way it is, and all the research and studies show that it will for quite a while, a few decades, you, know, you might want to catch that growth further out. You know, say, hey, you know, we're going to go in a little early. Yeah. And you bring up two great points. I mean, one, like downtown Austin, we're at the point now of, you know, our main Austin, we're um, we're attracting that regular institutional money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, retail investor. Obviously, there's still great relationships. People have been here a while that you might want to get in bed with as an investor. And, you know, more of your area of expertise kind of on the residential side. I mean, Georgetown, et cetera, uh, the burbs are, you know, there's brand new new build houses with a plot of land still at a high price point, but it could be a good one that are selling in the sixes and the sevens. Uh, it's pretty solid. Then you go out as far as like Taylor Hutto, um, you know, we were at Ken Harris's luncheon. So, um, uh, you know, it's a Tuesday lunch, Casa Chapala, great food. So love Lupe. Um, I strongly suggest folks go, but, uh, you know, we were talking just, you know, the crazy deltas, uh, you know, maybe a buck and a half a square foot. Um, and you know, these comps better than me to down, you know, I don't even want to guess what Hyde Park is these days, you know, <laughs> five, six, seven, really on a, you know, 50 year old place. Maybe it's pretty wild. Yeah. Absolutely. So Dan, you know, I know we've met at real estate investing conferences and in different meetups, but what initially attracted you to real estate investing? So it sounds like you got started in the flipping arena. Um, you talked to your buddy at, at his wedding. Was that what got you started or did you already have some interest in real estate investing before that? You know, like anything unconsciously, I probably had an interest and then got blinded to it. So, you know, we joked to, you know, had a nice discussion about my last name before that generation of folks, this is the greatest generation of the World War II folks. Uh, you know, they owned, um, I mean, that was a very entrepreneurial generation, all first generation Americans, their parents didn't speak any English. They had different places of land. We had something called the farm, because um, it was a farm in uh, Northeast Pennsylvania. Spent the 4th of July there and such, and it was great. You know, the next generation was more like my parents, heads down, nine to five. Uh, for better or worse, I, you know, got into a brand name school worked at two pretty reputable, you know, as they call them now, big co's for in the 2000s. So, um, it, as I said, it was still sitting there, but it was way, you know, way on the back burner. 
um, as I got to learn of other asset classes. So, you know, as I sit here at Capital Factory, really grateful for them and the relationship with Sparefoot. I came on, um, stand up their account management team and really got to know self-storage. So, you know, as most folks might go from residential to small multifamily, I just went to like something that was a niche that was way off the grid. Maybe a few PE shops were into it, but that was it. Um, and then from there, I learned of, um, and obviously there's always been senior living and different things, but learned about you know, a little more about senior living, about mineral rights. Um, you know, we don't really have rust belts here per se, but you know, the uniqueness of a strip mall. Um, and, you know, part of my journey also is the fortunate bucket, you know, having a bit of gray hair and maxing out my 401k in my first decade was having access to this money with the checkbook control self-directed account to throw chips um, in different things here. So I, I feel very fortunate for that. Um, and as I said, you know, Josh Bear had a great article that talks, uh, termed the Texas Manifesto that says, for all intents and purposes, you as an investor, you as a company um, should think of Texas, meaning Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, as one mega city. Because you can get anywhere with an hour flight, a four hour drive. You can do a day trip anywhere. Um, you know, I joke with my New Yorkers, it's the same to get from one airport to another with normal traffic takes, you know, three hours. So particularly like 10 miles. Um, but, you know, I, I bring all that up because, it, you know, and you mentioned some of the great suburbs here. There's, I'm not, I'm hardly an expert in land, but there just seems like some really cool stories behind land and what folks do to, to chop it up. And then, you know, if you go from four units to five units, how this may need to be, you know, rezoned. So a little over my head, but um, highly relevant, I think, if that's the space, you know, folks want to play in. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you'd mentioned some stuff about a deal that had gone wrong and maybe a <laughs> partnership that had gone wrong. Can you talk a little bit about it? say that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, as I said, it's, uh, you know, some people are going to view Austin as very hot and, you know, they're going to assume there's growth or like anything because nobody's really lost their shirt the last decade. Anybody can come in and do that. The, the issue is, and, it, you know, most folks kind of know this, it, it, it's kind of the supplies, uh, you know, and that's just from baking a cake to, you know, our startup friends here, how many developers do you have? On the real estate side, once again, this is where I think having somebody tenured um, and a validated experience is better than somebody that's either hobbyist or kind of scraping to get by. So my, the big thing beyond my experience is, um, you know, you have A players, uh, the day-to-day -day in the construction side, mm -hmm. at least a few years ago, and I don't know if this is still the case, uh, you know, if they can get paid a dollar or two extra elsewhere, they go to another site. So you are kind of on, you, let's say you manage property A or you're developing property A or re rehabbing it, are kind of stuck. Maybe you bring in the B team. Um, they don't do it as well as the A. Some things get messed up. Finally, in week four, the A team comes back to, you know, clean up the mess. And then in week five, if the A team is still there, they're doing what they were supposed to be doing in week one. You just lost a month. Um, and this was kind of a cop just a comical, in hindsight, copy paste that happened time and time again. Um, that said, you know, me being kind of a numbers guy, not a sticks and bricks guy, I, you know, I play lawyer. So that's another thing I would not advise to play lawyer. There's enough, I think, wise lawyers, even as an investor, that'll take a look at a fair price, even if you're putting in a small chip. And, uh, you know, this guy on paper owed me so much for late fees and everything else. What I learned is 
you know, outside of first to lean, it's kind of first come first serve. You have to say, you know, this person defaulted, um, which, you know, I, I would bring up too, because if, you know, let's just say hard money loans and you think you're the main, you know, big dollar lender. Well, you know, like, let's say somebody else comes in behind with, you know, a grand and all these terms and they file their paperwork. If you're in the city or county first to say, you know, somebody breached contract, they're ahead of you in line in Texas. It's not based on dollars. It's not based on when the loans start. It's not, it's when you file this official piece of paperwork to say breach of contract. Uh, and, you know, so I, it's another, I guess, indirectly saying when you are lending with friends, this could be a little more hairy because you're probably going to be the earliest loan or tail end, which we'll talk about in a minute, you never want to be at. Uh, and you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And somebody who's just a typical lender is going to be like, oh, no, I got breached. Boom. And, you know, or there's a delay. I'm putting in my paperwork. You can be completely out. It's, uh, it's very. And then like the anything like, you know, you can use kind of the junkie analogy. Um, you never want to be when somebody says, Hey, I just need another 25. You know, you know, something is grossly wrong at the end at that point. Um, so fortunately I, you know, I didn't double dip. I learned, you know, one big lesson. I didn't, I didn't follow the trail um, from that, but yeah, as I said, it's a, you know, school of hard knocks, a good experience here. And, um, and that's, that's like very out of your control. So that's the thing. If, if is somebody, uh, and, you know, I also caution, not in a bad way, but when it is a single person shop, as I said, always having some sort of partnership, whether it's a husband, wife team, um, somebody else that's going to hold you as the, I'll say like the, I guess, general contractor, but you might also be slash GP, more if you're GP acting as GC, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm investing my money, my money, I at least want two people at the other end, you know, that I can call on or that are checking in on each other. Okay. So... You know, I'm gathering your best advice is, is, you know, always take everything seriously, be the first position lean, but then if something happens, go after it quickly. Don't sit around and wait for things to go right. Is that what happened on your deal gone bad? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. As I said, you know, I I think I was, we were in baby bliss, you know, the three month period passed, our son was born in the middle. I just assume, okay, this will take another three months. Uh, You know, I I said in Scranton PA, people tend to honor our word. You know, it's a little different. Um, As I said, I finally know how to talk. I don't know how to talk Texan, but I finally understand Texan. It took me a little while to get there. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You just, um, because, you know, I said this was one of my earlier deals here in town in Travis County. completely unaware. Um, and you know, that's why there's laws and that's why there's things. And that's why it's put on paper because everybody's going to think of something slightly different. Uh, you know, fortunately, as I said, it wasn't catastrophic, but it was, it was, you know, I, I ended up enough in the red where, it, you know, the lessons are really baked in and, you know, it, it kind of pushes you to your, I'd say agnostic checklist of here's the top 10 things. You know, at least eight, I'll consider at least nine, I might invest in it. You know, it has to be nine and a half or 10 before I write the check. Um, which I would, especially if you're going to start becoming friendly with folks around here, um, people you consider friends or long-term relationships, you still have to go with an objective sort of checklist. Absolutely. And I, I tell people the same thing. If they're looking to get into a partnership, put everything in writing. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be your best friend since you were in kindergarten. Yeah. Still put it in writing. And make sure both sides are on the same page and both sides understand what happens if there's a breach or if somebody does something they're not supposed to do. Just makes it a whole lot easier and there's not any of those disagreements further down the road because you put it in writing first. Touche. Yeah. 
Dan, what's one thing you'd want newer investors to know? So let's say somebody's looking to invest in a self-storage project mm -hmm. with a general partnership and they've never done it before. What would you tell them? Yeah, so I would say, you know, coming in as an LP, once again, passive investor, mm -hmm. uh, realize that you probably have a, a pool of money that you did not know you have access to. So, you know, most folks on this call are listening in today probably um, have an old 401k mm -hmm. sitting at Fidelity um, or you're a realtor um, and you're completely unaware of how to fund your retirement. So let's, I, I do want to share that, but let's put that to the side for a moment. You know, the average Joe Jane out here, uh, and, and I say average in terms of just, you're not yet proficient as an investor in our example, um, but, you know, probably, uh, you know, doing great at your day job. Collectively, so I don't know Texas number, but as a country, there's 10 trillion with a T that sits in old 401k, old IRAs. Oh, wow. That number is bigger than all the money that's being printed this year, just to give you some relative term. <laughs> Huge. Um, of that, only about 100 billion. So about 1% of that is in private investments such as real estate. So think of that buck once again with a T, 10 trillion as a T. Behind that, there's another 20 or so trillion of people say current 401k, for lack of a better term. And then separate for all of our realtor friends out there that are 1099, you can actually end up contributing over $50,000 a year, plus 100,000 if your husband-wife team, into a solo 401k. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's just round up and say over time, that can be another X trillion. There's such a minute amount. So I'd say, let me first talk to my sponsors out there. Anybody that's raising money, you have literally nothing to lose and a whole lot to gain by just sharing one sentence to say, did you know you can also use your retirement dollars to invest in my deal? Um, and, you know, a play on my name, as I used to joke, if you can spell it, you can get it. Uh, D. Lewinowski is, uh, we'll get you $50 off a rocket dollar account um, in the month of March and April. So oh, cool. in the show notes. Um, yeah, you, you know, for then people raising money, I said for me, as you said, you want to make sure your base, your physical home where you go to your family every day is settled. Um, there's this pool of money that is sitting probably in the Fidelity 2040 fund, making one, 2% in bonds. You can use that for private real estate deals. So, you know, I, I initially did my, even before crowdfunding, I was doing the equivalent of crowdfunding. Part of why I did it, so you can argue as a singleton, you know, or before kids, having half price drinks on Rainy Street was great, which it was, not too shabby. Um, but the other thing, you know, especially pre-COVID, um, space is expensive to rent a room out and do a presentation. When you invest in a bar in a restaurant, guess what? You gave them real money. They're probably going to give you space for free. Um, you know, and that's going to save you a few hundred dollars a pop. And I know a lot of us on this call that are realtors and otherwise, um, Trust me, when things open up again, you might want to be very close and friendly with the few bars and restaurants that you can get that back room on without having to pay. Uh, so I share that because I was effectively able to fund, you know, say my marketing budget from LP dollars from my retirement account that I can't touch until I'm 60 something years old anyways. Awesome. Um, and this, you're talking about Roughly 1% of retirement account dollars is invested in private investments. So, you know, people always say, oh, I can get 8% in the stock market. Well, on a lot of private investments, let's say you can get 6 to 8% mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. on a monthly or quarterly distribution every year. So let's say a six to eight percent cash on cash return, which you don't get that in the stock market. People always say, well, I can get eight percent in the stock market. Well, that just grows over time. When you're invested in, let's say, a, a storage project, they're paying you out every month or every quarter. And then when they sell the project, you get another bump. So that six to eight percent might turn into twelve to eighteen percent. Yeah, that's huge. It is. And let's just, let's just you know give a real conservative vanilla deal. You're right. So let's say you know you have a hundred thousand. You put it in a stock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, perfect world. You sell at the high point, and they pay crazy dividends. Um, worst case, it goes to zero. You know, or it stops paying dividends if it's a yield play for you. So, you know, where, and then also that dividend, so let's just assume outside of the self-directed world, but in general, you're paying short-term, very high taxes on your dividends. With real estate, um, in most scenarios as an LP investor, you're probably not paying taxes now, you're deferring it to the end. And then as you referenced, the gain on the sale, you're paying a long-term capital gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's within a real estate or retirement account, all of that gets deferred for you know now and ever. And if it's in a Roth, you know you're paying on that little seed, not on the big tree in the back end. Mm-hmm. So I think when folks, you know, what I, what I consider real estate, frankly, uh, you know, let's talk about just Austin real estate as an LP investor. For majority of projects, I feel you're getting these equity stock market level returns, but with the risk of a AAA corporate rated bond. You know, if you're dealing with a, you know, a seasoned operator that's been around the block a lot, you know, good numbers, low loan to value, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty low risk, high return endeavor on something that's physically tangible. And let's take something like, you know, storage or multifamily with multiple units. You kind of have this natural diversification built in versus a stock that, you know, I joke, my wife got something mail said, hey, should I join this, you know, Zoom call? I said, well, you own 10 shares of the company. They're long like a billion shares. So sure, but, you know, they're probably not going to get your question heard. You know, whereas here, you know, a typical vanilla deal, I think on, you know, here in town, if somebody's raising money, you know, it's a three to $6 million property. They're raising, you know, 800,000 to 1.5 million. The minimum is probably gonna be 50K. Your voice is going to be heard. Um, obviously, the check's written. There's there's limits on what you can do or influence thereafter. But you're going to have that open discussion, which, you know, on top of, as to your point, you are getting great returns. You're going to have that benefit for open dialogue um, versus, you know, frankly, praying that you're going to get out of a stock at the, you know, the quote unquote right time. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's more of a business plan, too. You're talking about getting out at the right time. Most of these companies don't have a, a plan for you to sell your stock. Hey, you buy in here, hold it for five years and then sell here. And you're just, you're probably going to do this. Whereas a lot of these projects that you're talking about, they do have a business plan. They say, hey, now let's say back to self-storage. We're going to break ground on this on this year. We're going to develop it. And then five years later down the road, we're going to sell it. Mm-hmm. Most of the it's a, it's a little more predictable. While it seems risky and scary to a lot of people, I would say it's a lot more predictable than the stock market. Because again, back to what you said, you can watch the project, you can at least sort of participate in the projects and your voice can be heard. Yeah. So yeah, great stuff. Um, what's your best advice for people looking to invest in the Austin area, Dan? And uh not any one investment, you know, could be buying a single family house or a duplex or 
investing as an LP, which for people listening, LPs limited partner, um, you're essentially just the money in a deal. So maybe you're in an apartment syndication or a self-storage syndication. What's your best advice there for people looking to invest in the Austin area? Yeah, I mean, I, I've more, although you know, I, I came into this world on a house flip. Uh, I, I think of just some of the commercial stuff. So, like anything, if you can diversify, um, these round numbers. You know, let's just say you have a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, if you can throw a chip in something like storage, is great. Um, industrial, frankly, anywhere in Texas is is fantastic. Uh, and industrial could mean something like you know a floor and decor, which you know not only. Uh, did not shut down, but thrived during COVID and is Amazon resistant. Um, you know, these typical industrial park properties, let's just say, you know, if Apple wasn't Apple, something like that, I think would be a dynamite um, thing to consider at this point. Uh, you know, I'm not the expert, but I think land is something great to look into. Mineral rights below the land also is effectively considered real estate from an LP investor standpoint. Um, there's some great players out there doing that. And, uh, you know, we are getting older in Austin, um, you know, playing more back to, you know, multifamily residential, maybe senior living is a decent niche to get into. Uh, I'm not the expert, but like anything, you find folks that are versed in this space. Um, obviously, some bad news because of COVID around that, but ultimately, I still think it's going to be a play and you know, people are going to want to spend their sunset years here. You know, where it used to be a Florida beach, it's going to be Austin because I can walk and get downtown or, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, Cedar Park, like a Sun City outside of Phoenix. There's some of these popping up here and folks are saying, great, I don't want to deal with the downtown, the stickiness, the heat, you know, et cetera. But I love it in my, you know, Cedar Park suburb, let's say. So it's coming. It's coming sooner than later. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a huge one in Georgetown, too. I would say it's a retirement community, but it's very large. Awesome. So Dan, what's your favorite business or mindset book that you like to recommend to people looking to get started investing? Ooh, um, you know, easy answer is rich dad, poor dad, because in, it's funny. I read, I read my copy in Spanish. Um, (laughs) and, uh, but part of it is like, as I said, just, and I say this, um, extremely lovingly. Uh, so the gentleman, um, who wrote Black Swan, his new book. I can picture, I'm blanking on it now. I usually have it with me. Uh, it, you know, it, it talks about, there's an acronym, say IYI, um, intellectual yet idiots. And I will put myself in that. Many people that went to, you know, a quote unquote smart school, worked for a big company, all of that. Uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, boots on the ground, real estate, real money, alternative investments. This is a different world. It's kind of a scary sort of world, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, from that standpoint. So, you know, in terms of what to read um, without going too complicated, I I said, I think it's a mindset change. Um, There's a book called Immigrant Hustle and some of our local uh, entrepreneurs in Austin are actually featured in it. Uh, Amy Stedman from Beatbox is one of them. Once again, not much to do with real estate, but for me, I think it's always good that if you are, you know, super corporate, I've been 30 years in the W2 and you want to get in, um, you're going to have to shift your mindset a little bit. And, you know, it it does add up. And to your point before, the volatility of a stock market or a bond earning one or 2%, uh, you know, versus just passive real estate. I mean, that can mean an extra, you know, two, three, four years working when you do it by the numbers. So it is pretty powerful. So I'd say anything that can kind of change mindset, but um, you know, it is not like a, a professor talking. It's very personalized one-on-one stories. 
Awesome. And Dan, can you tell the listeners a little bit about what you're doing currently? So how you're involved in real estate investing currently and, and maybe how they can reach out to you to learn more? Yeah. So first, um, LinkedIn is great to get to me and please you know, reference that you're clear. Uh, you know, secondly, so both as, you know, I just say I like to eat my own dog food. So uh, I'm licensed under BV Capital. Uh, BV, uh, Steve May did some amazing things in Houston on the multifamily side. I was voted top banker in the state. Uh, and our friends at Archway, who have already done 40 plus developments round trip in the state of Texas. Uh, you know, currently putting those together and looking at just the risk profile being so relatively low and then the benefit of getting monthly dividends, mm -hmm. I, you know, industrial, this is kind of like storage. I get warehouse, you know, I get transportation logistics, putting that all together. I said, and also where's the world moving? What's well, moving to e-commerce and showrooms. Um, I referenced Florin Decor before. So, you know, for folks that want something that is a fun, meaning diversification, uh, multiple properties, but also monthly payouts. Uh, you know, I would say like a diversified industrial uh, fund uh, is the way to go. And that's been my most recent investment. So I'm happy to share more uh, basic economics. You know, this is a 7%, but it's cut up monthly. So round numbers, if you have 100K, you're getting roughly 600 a month. And around year five, you're going to see an equity bump, just like you always see. And as we said, because this is, if it's in an IRA, all this grows deferred. If it's not, um, it's going to be a long-term, you know, payment on the gain uh, versus a short-term tax rate. So I'm more than happy to talk. I, I just been, a, I've sat with all the principals. I really got to know this deal. I got really got to like this. So um, yeah, I mean, feel free to reference or um, this, this will probably take up a hundred characters, but you know, dan.krizanowski at bvcapitalpx.com. Uh, feel free to uh, email me. Awesome. And we'll have all that in the show notes here too. So Everybody's easily able to get a hold of Dan if they have more questions. Um, Dan, last question, probably our most important question today. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? Well, it's three, and I love this question. So, and this is, you know, strategy. This is how this plays out. Um, Monday morning, I go to Stinson's, 45th and Burnett. They have great cold brew. Um, it's proprietary cold brew, I joke. It's so that it goes until November. I'm pretty sure it's year-round, but it's good. It is a home brew. I love it. Um, it gets me jazzed. The staff in, is, is uh, fantastic. They're more friends now. Uh, they're great. And it's good stuff. They have a great food truck. If you're driven by, it's a Southwest corner, 45th and Burnett. Uh, check it out. Uh, give them some love. Raul, Rigo, Mary, the team, they're fantastic. Uh, Tuesdays, um, Casa Chapala. One, just, you know, for Lupi and team, um, great family-owned, really delicious food. I'd say really, you know, al dente, the types of spices and sauces. But this is where, you know, we collectively, we, the real estate community, meet every Tuesday at noon. It's open to, you know, it's an open lunch. Um, I mean, yesterday we had, it's all, you know, people are respectful where they're sitting around the table and such, but uh, dynamite discussion. And everybody gets to go up, have their one minute to introduce, but it'll be something natural. Like, you know, when the Senate change stands, hey, let's talk about 1031s for 15 minutes. And somebody happens to be a 1031 expert in the space. You know, I can chime in about uh, solo 401ks. Somebody's talks about infinite banking. Um, you know, some of these unique land plays and such. It's it's very very powerful. And uh, you know, I like to joke. It's kind of how life was. We're breaking bread before social media and Zoom calls. It's it's and before everything was a mega event, so to say. So it still is that personal old feel of Austin. Um, and then finally, you know, Friday pizza at Little Deli. You know, I grew up in Scranton, PA. Uh, 
half Irish part of an Italian town. So pizza and beer is, my wife still doesn't understand why we do it on a Friday, but I don't understand why people would not. So uh, my son is trained that Friday is pizza day. So I'd say, yeah, if you follow those three, um, you know, you'll be pretty happy with yourself. Awesome. And and once again, what's the Tuesday meeting, the Tuesday lunch meeting? Yeah, Austin Real Estate Meetup. Uh, you can probably find it on meetup.com, but it's at Casa Chapala. Maybe show up around 1145, get to, you know, meet a few of the folks there, but it's off 183 and Burnett Road. So, you know, frankly, wherever you live in the Austin MSA, especially if you live, you know, Northwest, you know, city proper, um, it's an easy drive. And especially now, I'd say for the next six months pre-COVID, even if you're coming from view to Circle C, you're really not getting hit with that midday traffic. So you're okay to get there in a reasonable time. And, um, you know, folks naturally huddle. They do some coffees. I tend to do a pre-meeting, post-meeting coffee because, you know, save everybody a commute time. And it's everybody I've met with just a a fantastic wealth of knowledge. Um, It's kind of like one of your podcasts, you know, scrunched into an in-person one-on-one. Awesome. Absolutely. So we will put all that in the show notes, guys. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for coming on today. And I hope everybody reaches out to Dan on LinkedIn and learns more about the opportunities that he has available, especially to you that have the money sitting around in a 401k, really making you mediocre returns and not doing much for you in the long run compared to what he could get done for you in passive investment. Awesome, Gary. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, thank you.